0: hey, I'm glad you're here. Welcome to the final episode of season seven of VHS. Did I trick you? Ah, it's not too shabby for a season with a truck driver, an editor assistant, dance choreographer, grocery manager, esthetician, CBD drink director, teacher, and now a principal. As is customary, I'd like to extend a heartfelt thank you for listening, and especially if you've subscribed, liked, or taken a moment to reach out on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, I've never done this before, but if you take the time to write, then I should take the time to read. So here are a few reviews. Uh, first up is from Imager, titled VHS, yes, which, excellent title, thank you for that. Delightful podcast, intelligent guests, well produced, I agree, thank you, Jail. Uh, Dirk, the host, is entertaining and thoughtful, highly recommended. Uh, that's super kind, and I'm not so sure you're not my mom, so let's move on. Uh, soft, smooth, and entertaining, from Dylan H. Three, six. not many people can pull off the slow and smooth stream of content all with great information and humor this show delivers and is great keep up the good work that's that's really kind thank you very much um then Jodas, this is titled They must listen uh this podcast goes by so fast because it's so interesting of what they talk about so thank you i i think it goes by very fast as, as well uh then k t says excellent uh, I'm loving this podcast. The host has a soothing voice. Thank you very much. And is definitely knowledgeable sometimes. Uh, he asks great questions to his guests and seems extremely relatable. Nobody has ever, I think, said I'm intelligent or relatable. So thank you. Uh, K. Roby T. Says, can't wait to hear more. So I hope you're, I hope you're hearing all of these episodes. Uh, last is Film Adjacent from L. Longacre. This is the only person I know of these reviews. Uh, wonderful approach to film and pop culture criticism interesting guests and an eclectic lineup thank you lucas for that it's very kind Uh, and thanks to all of you i swear moving forward if you write a review i will read it on the podcast giving credit due to the author um do you want to be a guest reach out want to correct me please do i purposefully said the wrong director in an episode this season and not one person said anything that's no fun if i if i make a mistake please you know let me know put me in my place I don't know, uh, most things. So, uh, and I know listening to a podcast is a passive thing. I do it too, but I love the interaction. So did, did you have a favorite guest, uh, a big surprise about a profession or a new favorite film? Just, uh, please just take that moment and say, Dirk, I love the editor, whatever it is. Um, that was a great movie. I hope you liked it that episode. Uh, I also recently was a guest on a few podcasts, so following on Instagram or Twitter is the only way you're going to know when those episodes come out. Um, But that's enough hearing from me. Let's get to the episode, right? The film is The Chocolate War, my guest is a principal, and this is The H. Us. Hello and welcome to VHS, the podcast For each episode is about a film and the guest has the profession portrayed in the film. I'm your host, Dirk Marshall, and you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at vhus underscore podcast, where we post original episodes, artwork, uh, and more on our website, vh-us.com. Our guest today is Kaveh, who is a principal. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Now, I didn't attempt your last name out of respect, but if you wouldn't mind...
1: So it's Pax but I don't even ask my kids at school to try and say it either.
0: Do they just call you like Mr. P? Mr. Kave. Mr. Kave, I love it. That's fantastic. Uh, Let's just start off with the obvious question. What is a principal?
1: Uh, I mean, uh, the way that I like to think of it is a principal is essentially the coordinator for a school, kind of making sure that everything runs and everybody has what they need to be successful.
0: Okay, that makes sense. I made it all the way through school, never knowing what a principal did. They seemed like the emperor or something of the school. You only saw them usually if they were publicly speaking or you're in trouble. That was basically it.
1: Yeah, I felt like my elementary school principal was just there to give high fives in the morning and then (laughs) check in with parents when they had concerns and deal with kids that weren't following directions.
0: Right. Okay. That makes total sense. Uh, We're brought together by the film The Chocolate War from 1988. Was this a first-time watch for you? It was, yes. Okay, fantastic. The uh, synopsis of the film is a surreal portrait of a Catholic private school and its hierarchy. A new student must submit to the bizarre rituals of his peers and expectations of the school administration by selling chocolates. I guess that pretty much covers it. It kind of almost doesn't make sense, but... Uh, At the time of this recording, you could rent The Chocolate War at your local video store like Movie Madness here in Portland, Oregon, buy the DVD, or you can stream it. Uh, Our players involved, our director is Keith Gordon, who did The Chocolate War in 1988, Midnight Clear in 92, television, then Mother of Night in 96, Waking Dead in 2000, still going today. Uh, As an actor, most people can place Keith. He was Arnie in Christine, so if you've seen Christine, the guy with the car... Uh, that's him you know and it's not often great directors are also great actors but I think uh, Keith Gordon's one of those rare unicorns our uh, cinematographers Tom Richmond. did Running Hot in 84 Hard Bodies Hard Rock Zombies which I haven't seen but just based on the title uh, standalone Space Rage Chopping Mall Hard Bodies 2 I'm Gonna Get You sucker. Roadside Prophets Killing Zoe 11 a 45 I mean quite a quite a crazy career there and then our editor, we got Jeff Wishingrad, did Sorority House Massacre, Chocolate War, Slappy in the Stinkers, and The Singing Detective. So those are, those are great. Our stars, Alon Michael Smith, did uh, Daniel, The Wildlife, Weird Science, Chocolate War, Identity Crisis, and then retired, but has been back to do a couple television shows lately. Uh, we got Wallace Langham, who did Weird Science, Soul Man, Invisible Kid, Chocolate War, tons of TV. Most people know him from 12 years of CSI. Um, He's on all those shows now Um, and then just moving into the film. uh, It's based on a book by Robert Cormia from 1974. The director got the book while shooting Jaws 2. Uh, I think he was about 17 years of age and then made this film when he was 26. So nine years later. Uh, it was made for about seven hundred thousand dollars, and he actually wrote the Yaz and Peter Gabriel songs into the script, which usually isn't how films work. You have to pay to acquire songs later on, but he just went for it, and mostly people were were cool with it. Um, so let's press play on the Chocolate War. We start with Yaz in my room. Uh, this is pretty, pretty great uh, 80s way to open the film. And we see the point of view of a lad playing football. So it's probably the only scene in existence with Yaz and football combined. Um, we see two guys from behind sitting on bleachers. Uh, Jerry's played by Elan is tackled and the coach berates him for not being a very good player. I'm all right. Oh, for Christ's sake. I'm all right, coach. What the hell you want to play football for? How tall are you? Five nine. How much you weigh? One forty-five. All right. Show
1: up tomorrow, three o'clock sharp. And if you're late, you're through before you start.
0: Um, the film was shot all in one location at a seminary school, uh, except there wasn't a football field, so that had to be shot separately. So, you no know, football at seminary. Uh, we learn he might be on a team. Uh, he leaves there to throw up in the locker room, and that's the opening section that we have. The boys in the coats are listing names and Archie is creating a list. We don't know what for, but it seems bad. Two more names. That kid they call the goober. Rowan Goobert. Brother Eugene's room. Um, Archie says put Jerry down for the chocolates and Obi says life is sad sometimes which is a lovely little melancholy beginning to the film. Uh, our next Yaz song only you plays as a flashback of Jerry's mom playing catch with a little boy and her casket is on the football field. Uh, the mom's played by casting director, Elizabeth Yaffe, who didn't want to be in the film, but was talked into it by the director. He said, you'll be perfect and you have zero lines. So she agreed, I believe it's her only screen credit. Uh, back in real time, we see Elan with his dad who's passed out on the couch next to an enormous bottle of whiskey. Uh, the dad's sadly barely even present. And the next day at school, the monk father teacher, didn't know quite what to call him, John Glover is walking around with a big stick which instantly makes me nervous because I'm sure then they could just whack people with sticks. Um, During the time of this filming, he had 103 degree temperature and no voice, but he would pull it together for the scene and then immediately collapse in between takes. Uh, The director said it was incredible to see and not unlike what uh, listeners heard from Brian Saka in our episode on Soap Dish, where they were filming um, a show for TBS on a desert, like a deserted island jungle location. And it was so hot that people were just like, just done until the director said action and you just popped up and you did your lines and then you just collapsed again. Acting sounds so fun to me. As you know, gentlemen, a certain um, discipline must be maintained in a school. A line must be drawn between teachers and students. We teachers would love to be one of the boys,
1: of course, but that line of separation must remain.
0: He says discipline must be maintained and accidentally hits Bailey in the face, who was played by uh, Wayne, who never acted before, or again after this. (laughs) Who knows why? (laughs) Could be the stick. Uh, Now, he's yet to step into the role of an administrator or principal, but how do you maintain discipline, or is that even something you think about in your profession?
1: Uh, I mean, I think that a lot of people have different approaches to it, but I think that there's an expectation that the principal is the one that maintains the discipline i think that really the idea is although hopefully not someone like this instructor right uh, is managing discipline within their classroom um and then we're just helping to make sure and uh reinforce and support when students are struggling with it a little bit Hmm. but i think the biggest thing like in contrast to this movie is to try and actually hear out the kid and meet them where they are i don't know that that was happening here
0: No, it's not at all. (laughs) And that's definitely something we're gonna talk about. Bailey. Yes, Brother Leon. Why do you find it necessary to cheat? Is silence an admission of guilt, Bailey? Oh, Bailey, what are we gonna do about you? I don't cheat, Brother Leon, but look at the evidence, Bailey. Your marks, all A's, every test, every paper, only a genius is capable of that kind of performance. Do you claim to be a genius, Bailey? Uh, He berates Bailey for having good grades. It's total madness and confusing up until the point where he's like, and none of you kids, like, stood up for him this whole time. Like, Bailey did a good job. Uh, So it's sort of, I guess, the groundwork of they're not going to question authority yet in the story. Um, later, Jerry is staring at some cool kids and there's a girl in a leather jacket who's played by Jenny Wright, who starred opposite Elan just a couple years prior in Wildlife in 1984, um, which was written by Cameron Crowe, who wrote singles, almost famous, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Hi. Um, How many boxes? 20,000. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, that's a lot of chocolates, but we have tradition working in our favor the chocolate sale is an annual event the boys expect it if if they can sell 10,000 boxes other years why not 20 this year next we see John Glover telling Archie they need to sell 20,000 cases of Mother's Day chocolates after they take the Mother's Day wrappers off uh does your school do fundraisers is that a reality of education these days
1: fundraisers definitely uh, they're more connected usually to PTA than they are to the school so it's raising Uh. money PTA to be able to, um, you know, do events and supply things for the schools, but they still happen. We actually have a candy fundraiser as well.
0: Okay, perfect. So maybe yeah. we'll hopefully learn some things in this, uh, what is the function of a PTA?
1: Uh, I mean, uh, really, I think for ours, at least the idea is that they're supporting, uh, like the culture of the school. So the idea is they're they're creating events and hosting things that bring people together. Like I really like to think of schools, not really so much as neighborhood, but more about community. Mm-hmm. And so it's like creating that sense of community and creating involvement of parents and hopefully bringing them to the table so that we have more perspective and voice there. And then also helping host events that tie into what school is happening. So like at our school, we do a lot of STEAM type activities, which is like coordination of science, technology, engineering, arts, and math. So they'll do like challenges where kids come in and families come in and do that together so it's hopefully an extension of school
0: it's like double dare or what kind of challenges do you have exactly
1: so like one one of them that they did is like kids come in we give them kind of the how you might build a catapult and all the families get together and build their catapults and we have a competition to see who can shoot the thing the farthest. oh cool marshmallows whatever it is we decide to launch with that catapult
0: right yes <laughs> something safe and soft i'm guessing hopefully safe and soft yes right <laughs> Uh, Archie says the vigil will help. And Brother Leon says, I don't know what you're talking about. Now, we don't know where Brother Leon started as a, a teacher. Um, now he's targeting himself to, or setting himself up to be the administrator. But we also don't know your journey to be where you are. So what was that? Yeah, I mean, I,
1: I think over the course of my time in Portland public schools, I've been in almost every role. So I kind of started as what would be kind of like an assistant within a school supporting students that might be struggling within classes and supporting teachers and then moved into a teaching role uh, within special education supporting students that needed some additional behavioral support in addition to academics and then moved into a district level position where I ended up going around to buildings all around the district trying to help people understand how to maybe be more successful in um, connecting with kids and providing environments that they could be successful in Um, and then got into administration from there.
0: And what brought you to even that first, like, why did you just need a job? Or did you just know that that's what you wanted to do? Because that's like when I think I met you, right? Yeah. And so how did you even find yourself there?
1: So I think, you know, growing up, my mom was a nurse and she worked in a lot of different, um, uh, like either group homes or within Mm -hmm. other facilities where she worked with a lot of students with Uh, you know, various abilities. And so as a result, I often went with her and supported kids and supported adults that uh, maybe had some some different challenges. And uh, I think that was a connection for me. And then additionally, I had a whole lot of younger cousins. And I tended to be the person that gravitated towards hanging out with the kids rather than hanging out with the adults and keeping them entertained. Um, And just that energy level always drew me to it. Uh, And so I think when I went to college i started in engineering and realized that that's a very anti-social career and i did not enjoy it right. so i quickly shifted over to early childhood education and actually started uh doing work in head Starts, and then came up to portland because a person i went to high school with told me that the school that we met at was a place that had a great job and i would enjoy mm-hmm. myself working with those students so that's what got me there
0: that's interesting the episode just prior to this one is with john walsh who's a teacher at that Program a school, I guess. I was thought of it as a program because it seemed like such a special environment that yeah. m- met so many kids with so many differing levels of abilities. Um, yeah, it just was quite a magical place. And when I met you, you and Brandon were coaches. Um, or yeah. I always called them heavies because I first subbed in the middle school side where they very much was like very, very big men. Uh, yeah. but in the sort of elementary school side, you guys were like, uh, celebrities in a way, like kids always wanted to get out of class if they could go with Kaveh or Brandon. Um, and then you guys were sort of like these gurus in a way for, for me to see, cause I was in a very specialized classroom, uh, but you guys would come and interact with the kids, but never seemed like you were talking down to the kids or you're always like meeting them sort of, I don't know, right at eye level in a way, if that makes sense. I don't know. It seemed seemed pretty amazing to me from the outside.
1: I think, I mean, it's an interesting thing. I think that that job as a therapy intervention coach is very similar to being a principal or an administrator, mm-hmm. right? Especially if, because really the idea is you're trying to support students kind of see them for who they are and help them solve their problems and also bridge the gap for teachers. I can remember so many times in that role that I didn't necessarily agree with the teacher's decision. Sure. Then trying to figure out how to get the teacher to where I felt like they Mm -hmm. needed to and also get the student to understand. And I feel like you're also constantly managing the fact of like preparing students for the fact that they're going to encounter a lot of different adults. And you've got to have a strategy yeah. as well. And I think a lot of times people don't look at that, they think of it as the adult, but I'm like, the reality is you're gonna have a lot of different adults you need to deal with too. So let's talk through that, but also let me help this teacher maybe come meet you part way there.
0: Right, uh, that, that makes sense. Your name is Roland Gubert. Yes. They call you the Goober. Cut to a dark room and kids in suits like the skulls, but it's the vigil and Goober is there getting an assignment. We're swapping point of view with the Goober and Archie, which happens a lot in the book. Um, this scene has a lot of great shots of, of Archie doing crazy facial expressions and things. And I, I guess the actor Langham would do all kinds of stuff just to provoke honest responses from people, not in an unprofessional way, but just in a way that the director was like, now like be really weird and strange. And that's why there's scenes where he's like putting his feet on people or like not being like overtly sexual, but just like crossing lines of comfort so that the actors would, you know, not be comfortable in a way. And I think it really works for this film that feels very sort of uncomfortable in places. Uh, He's told to loosen every screw in brother Eugene's homeroom. Uh, Adam Baldwin is in this scene. He's got some marbles. Uh, Adam is a distant relative to the famed Baldwins, and they share ancestry, tracing back to England in the 1600s. (laughs) So, there's a fact. I hope that that replaces an important memory in most people's minds. Um, And you see the chocolates being loaded in, and you say, Oh, oh, here comes Trinity's chocolate sale again. Well, this is
1: more than a sale. It is a crusade! Yes, the quota is
0: doubled this year because we have more at stake this year than ever before. Next brother Leon announces the chocolate sale and it's, uh, it's late, Goober's loosening the screws, the vigil shows up to help because that's important. And the next day everything falls, falls apart in the classroom ruining the teacher's day forever. We never see the man again. In fact, we even reference him having a nervous breakdown because of this situation, which is sad. Didn't I tell you I wanted everything to go smoothly? No incidents? I didn't do anything. And I didn't promise anything. Please, I am in charge here now. The entire school is my responsibility. Don't ever forget that. Not for a. Instantly, Brother Leon grabs Archie and says, I'm in charge. Now you're in charge at your school, essentially as the principal. But I'm willing to bet just from us talking so far that it's not about you. So, what is being a principal really about for you?
1: Uh, I mean, I think I think the biggest thing is really just thinking, putting the students at the center of it all, and really trying to think about how do we how do we make them kind of realize their potential? How do we how do we help mm. them to set them up? I feel like every kid is so different, every student is so different, and they come with such different needs and such different. Um, you know, I don't I don't like calling it abilities because I feel like all of them have the potential to reach. Sure. Them and, those different abilities but a current level of where they're at within things and it's really just trying to figure out how do we get the most out of them but in the same time then the reality is we also have to in order to do that you have to get the most out of your teachers your educational assistants your paraeducators, and then also support parents so for me that's where i'm like that's why i said it in the beginning i think it's more like a coordinator you're trying to coordinate so many different pieces and get everybody to kind of be in their best place so that you can you know provide an environment that's going to be as best as it can be for a student to thrive, right? I also feel like so often what you need even for a student is to have at least one adult that they connect with and that they can see like some positive in. And so sometimes I feel like it's like helping teachers to understand that like relationship is so important. And if mm-hmm. we can figure out how to build a relationship with students and build some trust, the other stuff will come. But if they don't have that, you're not going to get through that that wall. And so I feel like a lot of it is I'm, sometimes I feel like I'm like a cheerleader or like the person trying to get people to be like, you can do this. Hang in there. I see the progress. Let me let me help you see the things you don't see, whether it's in yourself or in that student.
0: Yeah, uh, that totally makes sense, because I have felt none of that ever in my entire history of education. Like I always felt like. <laughs> the classroom is ushered in, the teacher has to start right then, like, I knew nothing about them, I don't know most of their names, my friend Jale and I were just going over uh, high school teachers, and we got to, like, three, and I was like, I couldn't tell you anybody else, I probably had 40, I'm not sure, but, like, I don't remember them, they don't remember me, Uh, most of them didn't like me, I mean, it's just, you know, it's uh the reality of the situation but if you have a teacher that actually talks to you and you feel some connection to you're always going to remember that person you know oh, for sure one
1: well, yeah. i think it, it's so interesting because I think so many people have had such a like negative experience in education like yeah I, I still vividly remember teachers that I didn't get along with and how essentially i got my joy out of power struggling with them oh. um, and it was like and so as a result it's like i reflect on that and I'm like well that's what we want to avoid <laughs> it's like yeah. how do we that place and how do we not have those teachers that i mean because i even in watching this movie it was like seeing some of those parallels of like those teachers that were trying to like push your buttons like even yeah. the about earlier where it was like trying to make this point i can remember times when they tried to do that and for me i was like well this is another mind game well, let's get into it right
0: <laughs> that's good it's good to have both sides perspective you know you need yeah. that uh jerry is doing okay at football and after he gets an invite by the vigil and uh heads back in class goober is sleeping it's jerry renault um Elon. you are here are you renault it's last call renault no clear. Yes means that, like every other student in this school, you agree to sell 50 boxes of chocolates. No, and let me point out that Trinity forces no one to participate against his wishes. That is the great glory of Trinity. No means that you don't want to sell the chocolates. So now, what is your answer, yes or no? No. When asked if he's going to sell the chocolates, he says, no, uh, he's not going to sell 50 bucks of chocolates. And this would have been 100% me in high school. I would have not been involved in anything like that. If they were like raise money for school, I'd be like, I hate this place. Like I was so miserable and just did not feel like I fit in uh, anywhere. So no, no, no chocolates for anybody. Uh, We see brother Leon moving into an administrator's office and the treasurer says that they aren't making the sales. So Leon says, just lie to them, um, which is a great way to deal with children. Just don't be honest. Um, I've known a few principals in my time, and maybe I'm wrong, but they are between the suits or higher ups and those in the trenches. Is that how that's pretty accurate to what we've covered so far?
1: So you mean like middle management? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, I mean, I, I would say, you're saying, are you asking whether or not that role a principal is is essentially middle management? Yeah, it pretty much is. I mean, I would say uh, you're pretty much in a place where I would say the one nice thing about being a principal and difference from when I was like uh, in a district level administ- administrator position is that at least you can control the environment that you're in but yes, you still have all these other people that are putting pressures and other things, but in a larger district, sometimes you can hide out and they'll not know that you're doing something that they might not agree with because you're justifying it on. We're trying to do us best for kids. Gotcha.
0: Okay. Yeah. Because when we were, uh, when we met the program that we were at, I hated Monday meetings, like with uh i mean i've already talked to you about this and i just saw you I, it just seemed so so pointless uh, and it allowed some people to feel like they were heard and involved in these decisions that they clearly were not <laughs> involved in uh but for me like i could have been washing urine or spit off of something uh, you know i could have been talking to the janitor about jet skis um he loved to talk about those jet skis uh, but you know i just uh I, I couldn't stand those. So do you do you have to have the Monday meetings? Do you have them? Do you, are you do you use them to inspire things? Or do you have to do the, the? I, I'm sure there's a principal code. I'm, I'm not allowed to ask you this, but
1: Yeah, no, I mean, so you, you pretty much have to have the meetings, not even because of the fact that I mean, part of it is the district pressure. Part of it is also like what's in a teacher contract. Like, that's the other thing. That you're oh, kind of, like, what, what are you supposed to do? What are you not supposed to do? Um, at the same time though, you have a lot of control over, most of the time you have a lot of control over what those meetings look like and how they're run um, and what topics you're covering and how you're engaging people. So I try and run a much different meeting because I know same meetings that you and I were in, I was often in the back, which was like that kitchen area, just like yeah. pacing around, waiting for it to be over because I couldn't stand sitting and listening to the nonsense. Oh my so gosh. I try to not have that and I think of myself and I also, as you, you, know, you know, probably I, I talk really fast and I tend to just try and get to the point and move on and so my teachers, it took them a minute to catch up to the pacing, but then now they're like, oh, great. And now they're like, I have to do other trainings at one and a half speed just so that I can not feel bored. And I was like,
0: oh, okay. right. that's great. I appreciate that because it just would, especially when you could be doing something else and someone's like, all right. and right. You're like, no, this can't last longer. It needs to, <laughs> we need to speed it up. Yeah. Um, yeah. It. Well, I
1: feel like they also, it's avoiding belaboring the point, right? Like, yeah often it's like you get this district deck that it says you have to go through this so for me i go through that so that you can say that i checked off that box but for my staff i touch on the high points and move on and then get to the things that they want to actually talk about
0: right that's that's fantastic like why aren't there two chocolate milks you know things like that for <laughs> archie and Emil are uh, walking and archie has a blackmail photo of him which is an interesting plot point i'm
1: all out of cigarettes what I'd like, kid, is for you to go over to Baker's and you buy me a pack.
0: What's the matter? You ain't got the money? Emil forces a kid to go get him cigarettes, which is weird. And Archie doesn't like the bullying, which is even weirder because he's so manipulative in this movie. Brother Leon talks to David about a bad mark and, or, yeah, Father Leon. Says that, uh, y- you know, he's been working hard, maybe he made a mistake. And if David sells more chocolate, he can get that F changed to an A or something to that effect. Uh, David divulges that Jerry must turn down the chocolates for 10 days, as he agreed to with the vigil. And Brother Leon says, hey, the sale's over. We sell those chocolates at F. It's out of here. The next 10 days are over, and Jerry says he's still not gonna sell the chocolates. Oh no, these chocolates, what a war. Remove! No. I'm not gonna sell the chocolates. Cue a weird washed out dream version of his mom passing and a montage of school and Jerry kisses the leather jacket girl. And he's also wearing a leather jacket. And this is all set to Joan Armitrating, who I don't know who that is. Are you a Joan head, Joan Armitrating head? I can't say I have any idea who that is. Okay. I only know from the commentary where he's like this is joan arbitrating and i was like this is a good note i'm taking that down and now i blew it uh the next day on the bus jerry tells a kid tells jerry that he has guts and the other kid says i've been going to trinity for three years i'm just i'm just tired of selling stuff you know if it isn't chocolates it's christmas cards if it isn't christmas cards it's soap, but you know what? What? I never thought of just saying no. You know, as a kid, sometimes you think like, oh, I can't, I have no voice at all, no wiggle room. We've seen a lot of wiggle room in, in just the one program that we worked at together where it's like, no, we actually can make this comfortable for everyone involved. You know, like, I feel like when I went to school, they were like, you do it this way. And I was like, I don't think I could do that. And they're like, you need to be in that class over there. And I was like, oh man, like, that's just, that's just how it went. Look, what's more important, playing football, your grades, or a lousy chocolate sale? Just do me a favor, take the chocolates today, all right? Goober confronts Jerry and he's like, why, why are you not selling the chocolate? And the other kids think his rebellion is cool. Q Scott Cassius Shepherd song, which I also had to look up. Uh, I love films like this. I love like loss of innocence. I love the melancholy of youth. Um, I went to a redneck run school when I was a kid. So I clearly did not, did not fit in. Um, and it was like an eighties movie. There was the, the Hicks, uh, which were not me and the freaks, which is what they called me um, and my friends. And they would spit, shoe spit on us and throw apples at us. And um, their parents were the teachers. So it was super awesome. And the Hicks were allowed to carry knives, which was not cool, <laughs> but they had them anyway. Um, there was even a big showdown in the middle of the courtyard of the school where a fight didn't break out, but like it was, it was totally insanity. I was like, I didn't understand why this works. And then all my friends dropped out by like my sophomore year. And so it was just me and then just me existing was like the fuck you that drove people crazy so then i just got involved in school i volunteered in the office so then i was in their classrooms delivering their notes and things and just uh you know i knew what i was doing it was at this point in history that man first ventured from the caves and began to deal with an increasingly hostile environment Uh, Next, we get Brother Jacques, played by Bud Court from Harold and Maude, and he says environment and all the kids jump up and dance around and sit back down. So he keeps saying it because he's been tipped off by Archie. Uh, I like Brother Jacques or Father Jacques, whatever we want to call him, uh, because it seems like he's at least trying to be in the kids sort of wheelhouse of things like he's playing a game with them. He knows that they're trying to pull one over on him, but. But he seems more in line to like what we were talking about earlier, where it's like, you can't just talk facts down to the child and be like, okay, you got all those? Like... Yeah, I, feel like he also,
1: I feel like he also pushed a little bit to where it's like, I, in that scene, I was like, he's getting them to think about how committed they really are to this nonsense. Right. And so I was like, that's what you want from teachers, right? Is like actually have them start questioning their own decisions too, in pushing them to do that like a hundred times within his class. Yes. Yeah.
0: Well, and he had to prep for it, too, because he had to write environment up on the board that he knew that that would be the big reveal. And then he even played it off like he didn't know what was happening by saying one word at a time until he got to it. It's very, very clever. Uh, Leon calls Archie and says sales aren't well. Uh, We learn Archie has learned that Leon bought the chocolate with money he shouldn't have spent, and he's now in trouble. Leon says the vigil has to force Jerry to sell chocolates. Brother Leon's losing it, which seems like an apt time to discuss self-care. Uh, With a profession with so many moving parts, as we've discussed, and personalities to navigate, how do you take care of Kabe?
1: Uh, You know, uh, for me, a big piece is just separating, like, turning off work when you're done with work. So, like, for me, it's when I... When I get home uh, at the end of my day, whatever time that is, hopefully I get home around 5.30 or so, mm-hmm. uh, I try not to do anything for work or think about anything about work until I get my kids to bed. And then after I get my kids to bed, then I try and answer some emails, get them some things done, and then kind of check out. And on the weekends, I try and do it similarly. Of When Friday ends, I try to do nothing with work until Sunday night um, and really not not interact with it at all so that I can have that separation between work and home. Yeah, uh, so I think that's my my biggest strategy, I guess. But I think the other big piece to mental is to what how well being and health is like. What do we do to get teachers and staff to do that too, right? Right. So I mean, that's something when you talk about staff meetings. That's one of the things we do at every staff meeting is staff wellness to begin every meeting.
0: Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's something that I was the worst at, um, because I took that that job and those students so seriously and the, because it was a nonverbal population. And so you're trying to reach, you know, where they're at, what they're, you know, just everything about them. And sometimes when there's these missing pieces in education, you're like, how do we get that to click so that they, you know, can progress themselves to whatever the next, you know, level is for them. For me, it was mostly communication, but um, I would be, thinking about them all the time like I would just be like what's something uh oh this could help you know it was just 120 percent all the time and my wife was the same way where she was just open to the social work that she did constantly and you know it's maybe I think when you're younger you could do that but that's also I think where burnout starts to come into play and then once you get to like the futility of stuff then it's just you can't be functionable anymore I don't think but so I think starting those meetings off that way that makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah, I mean I, th- I mean I think that the staff are noticing it too. I mean, they started a new thing where they do a survey every year of all the staff around the district. Um, and one of the areas is staff wellness, and I think we were like 20 percent high, higher than the average in the district Whoa. as far as staff feeling their own mental health and well-being is being cared for within their school. so um, so I mean I think it's, it's working, and I think that staff are feel are recognizing that it's a priority for themselves too.
0: Yeah, I would say that just having a principal that talks 20% faster at meetings, you know, just having just having that piece for me, I'd be like, I feel great, you know, in front of the vigil, Archie confronts Jerry with a box of chocolates. This is the scene I was mentioning earlier, where Archie's eating a chocolate in the scene. And for my first thought was like, how many chocolates did he have to eat? Like how many takes? I mean, he must have just been sick of this chocolate. Um, but it's a great scene. It's, it's really creepy. And after Jerry says uh, hi to the girl again uh, that he saw earlier, he says no to the chocolates again. Hello? Who is this? He starts getting these laughing phone call pranks and then he gets chewed up chocolates in his locker. It, he's done absolutely nothing wrong and is just tortured throughout this film. Uh, soon, Frankie Bolo is standing before the vigil and he doesn't buy into the vigil's bullying. So Adam Baldwin punches him in the face, which Archie does not like the violence. Uh, we learned that somebody made a poster that says, screw the chocolate and the vigils. So students are perhaps uprising against this. And the vigil decides to make selling chocolate cool, um, which brings us to motivation. What motivates you and also how do you motivate teachers?
1: What motivates me? That's a tough one. I mean, I don't think that there's necessarily a tangible thing that motivates most people. I mean, I think that yeah. we like to think money motivates people. But in reality, that's I don't think that's actually, I mean, it is the case on the basic level, right? Like you got to have what you need in order to sure. make work but i don't think that makes someone go into education because you can get jobs with similar or lower degrees for paying more money. So
0: yeah, nobody goes like, into yeah. education for money.
1: Exactly. I'm, which, I mean but it's an interesting thing because i also still walk that line of i think sometimes it can be painted on both extremes and i feel like uh, with the number of days that you work as a teacher you also are making good money but you're not, you know, it's not like you're making it rich either. Um and so i, I mean for me the biggest thing is is really seeing the the change in kids is seeing the fact of like a kid come from like where they might really be not really getting school or liking school or connecting or really struggling with concepts and then being able to start seeing those pieces to go together like i think that's the rewarding piece and also just seeing the kids light up when they see you like the fact that that's what's in like important to them i think that was why i couldn't deal with the district level job when i would bounce from school to school i felt like i was abandoning kids because then i i sometimes became which is a sad statement like that kid's trusted adult and then i went 90 buildings like to be honest like i was at every building in pps regularly and so i was driving all over town and then i would come back and see that kid and it was like you could see that disappointment in their face that i wasn't there for them when they i needed them that other time so for me i think that's why now being in a building that's what brings me every day is the fact Mm -hmm. that i get to see those kids that are so excited to See me see their teachers. It doesn't have to be me. It's just the fact of them seeing that the environment we've created is what they need uh, in order to be successful and thrive. And I think for teachers, I think that's one of the huge motivators. I think also, though, having an administrator that sees their strengths, like every single person has things they do well Mm -hmm. and has things that they need to work on and a lot of administrators choose to focus on what the, the staff need to work on. When if you can focus on what a teacher is actually good at and give them that direct praise and really build that up and give them opportunity to be successful, guess what happens? They start to pull up the pieces that they, because they, they know, like right. for the most part, you know what you're not good at. Yeah. And you don't. No one wants to not be good at something, they wanna get better at it, but they're not gonna get there if you keep beating them down on the stuff they can't do. Start focusing on building them up on what they can, and then you start seeing that motivation to then, Pull themselves up on the other side and then take your support in getting there.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's perfectly worded. Uh, it's, um, it's some, um, there's a lot of things at that job where we met where I hadn't thought about. And, and when I was talking to John Walsh in the previous episode, talking about antecedents and, you know, these sort of things that once you understand these concepts and these terms, you can apply them to your everyday life. And you're just like, oh my gosh, like that's why, that's why I do this or that's why I, get so tense over this and and then you can actually make small changes and make your own life so much better so just hearing what you said about that focusing on strengths that is like what made me a better dad 100% is like because you know uh, otherwise you're just like, why don't you have shoes on? I asked you put, to put shoes on like 57 times. Like we do this every day. There's shoes, you go on your feet. You already know where they go. It's like, you know, you have to focus on like, oh, wow, great job putting one shoe on. Do you know where the other one is? <laughs> like, maybe we could find it together. You get what I'm saying.
1: It's oh like- yeah, 100%. I mean, it's interesting because I feel like I can, I can do that often. It is harder, I think, with your family though. Yeah, I think- harder with your family because of this the the fact that you know i don't know you have you have a different level of connection and yep. expectation maybe at times and then i would say it's even harder because i feel like i can do it more often with my kids it's even harder with a spouse oh yeah i find it at least because i also and I, I find that also similarly because one because i feel like often i see them myself as that's that's the like should be my counterpart, right? I mean, is my counterpart my equal in that, right? Mm-hmm. And so when I see that, I find then that it's like my my reflection of how hard I am of myself that then I put it into that other person. And that's the part I'm trying to work on is like, how do oh. I think about that differently? And similarly, then what I find in in, in my school, because it's like, you think about them in a similar place, I find that I struggle a little bit more in doing the same thing for my assistant principal. And so it's like something I need to get better at because I see them similarly as my counterpart. So then I'm a little bit harder on them, I feel like, and it's not. I know that's not the right way to deal with them. Like that's not the right way to motivate them, but it, that's the part that I find hard to separate. And it might just sure. be that's oh. something that I'm
0: realizing in my own reflection. I didn't even realize you got an assistant principal. Do, do you get to hire them or do they just come with the school?
1: Uh, you, you know, it depends on your situation, but I, I got to be a part of that and have a good influence on hiring that person.
0: Oh, great, good. Yeah. So they have a similar philosophy to you. Yeah, I,
1: for sure. Yeah. But also, I think I also tried to consciously get someone that didn't agree with everything that I said. And still, we, because I feel like I need mm-hmm. to have a push on me, right? Like, there needs to be a counter to that. I don't want a yes person. Like, right. I want someone that's going to challenge my thinking, but also, like, the core is have our kids' best interest at in heart. We might want to go at it differently but then that's going to hopefully make us better and the reality is you're never given a staff that's all aligned right so i need to have other perspectives in that leadership role too yeah oh
0: that's great fantastic well cue cool music as the kids set off with cases of chocolate uh kids making lists selling money leaving chocolates forcing freshmen to sell chocolates all set to peter gabriel's out of touch yeah, I looked that up too. Uh, everyone is crunching the numbers and Goober is credited with 50, but he only sold 20. So something's afoot. Jerry gets confronted on the street by a very homophobic bully named Emil, who then calls on a bunch of children to beat him up, which is very confusing, and then spits on him, which is also very gross. Uh, all set to Yaz yes in my room, which is a weird song to set such a terrible sequence of events to. Uh, he's done nothing wrong. As I've said, this is... He's just getting ruined throughout this film. Archie calls the bully, and he's mad about children being involved in the fight. Um, But Archie was behind it all. Next, we get Technicolor series of faces, but with each other's voices, and then an over the shoulder as Jerry floats down the hall to call his mother in a dream. Uh, It seems even in dreams, Jerry can't get a break. But we can, and we'll be right back after this. Are you tired of boring food and condiments made of processed ingredients? Then you need Marshall's Haute Sauce. Each small batch is made by Sarah Marshall, who sources from local farmers. Her dedication to knowing the sources carries on through right down to knowing the single origin beekeeper and even the harvester of the sea salt. Each sauce is plant-based, gluten-free, and packed with deliciousness. Annual offerings from mild to spicy being smoked habanero barbecue, red chili lime, serrano ginger lemongrass, and habanero carrot curry not to mention a rotating offering of limited edition sauces like Whiskey Smoked Ghost, Caramelized Scorpion Ghost, Volcano Sparkle, and even a collaboration with the heatonist eye charred Chive Dulce. There's always something new and delicious. Just head on over to marshalshotsauce.com. That's marshalls, dot com. When checking out, enter V-H-U-S in promo code for 20% off. That's V-H-U-S at checkout for 20% off. And now, back to the show. We're back. And at school, all the kids are ignoring Jerry, including the teacher. His locker's empty. Uh, Leon's informed that the sale is over. The guy says that all the boxes are sold except for Jerry's 50 boxes of chocolate. Archie says everyone will be at the field for a special meeting and a raffle. Sounds fun. Uh, More yeah's owed to a boy. And so Archie sets up a fight, sells tickets to students. Archie has a terrifyingly brilliant speech about why it all works and the cruelty. Beautiful night. Hmm. See, I told you everyone was panicking for nothing. I don't know how you do it, Arch. Simple. See, Carter, people are two things: greedy and cruel. Mm-hmm. We've got the perfect setup. Greed. A kid pays two dollars for a chance to win two hundred, plus fifty boxes of chocolate. <laughs> and the cruel part watching two guys hitting each other in the ring, unable to defend themselves, under their commands while they're safe in the bleachers. That's why it works, Carter. Because we're all bastards. But then, there's a double cross. Carter brought his marbles, so Archie must choose. What the fuck are you talking about? Archie drops an F-bomb in the scene, which costs them their PG-13 rating. But I guess that was the goal from the director, to end up with an R. Uh, He draws two times, the second time he gets the black marble, so he must fight Jerry. This deviates from the book, in which uh, Jerry actually just gets beaten up and loses, so life sucks and you die, is basically how the book goes. (laughs) The uh, director changed it, so in this sequence you get a happy ending, Um, only the punches are being picked by other students, so it's just total carnage. We see Archie quickly stop enjoying it and uh, the brutality. And then Archie knees him instead of punching him. So um, Archie just gets the teeth beat out of him. It's, it's pretty violent. Jerry, 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 Jerry. Uh, they cheer for him. And it's the first time in the whole film that we see Jerry smile. Uh, and then we see his friend and his, his mother crying in the, in the stands. I should have just sold the chocolates. I played their game anyway. This part just like crushes me. The next day, Obi's calling the assignments and a beat up Archie is taking down the notes, bookending the film with these guys. Uh, Obi's assignments are super gross, like eat boogers and stuff. Assignment. He has to get us naked pictures of his little sister. And then cue Kate Bush running up that hill. This movie is over. Originally, at the end of the film, it was gonna be David Bowie's Heroes was the song that would play, but he wanted $100,000, which uh, this movie was made for $700,000, so that's not exactly gonna work. (laughs) So there you go. Any final thoughts for The Chocolate War?
1: I don't know, man. It was it was an interesting movie to watch, and I after you brought up how the book ended it, I was like, man, that would have made it even more depressing. Although I it wasn't
0: really a happy ending. No, like, it's not. The director even says that he's like, people said that this was the happy ending. He's like, how is this happy?
1: Definitely was not a happy ending. Uh, but I, I I would say that the piece that was like fascinating about this movie was just the psychological aspects of it. Mm-hmm. Like there was just so many psychological games going on, and then so many things that I stopped and thought like. Like when the kids were all beating him up, I was like, is that kind of genius or is that like really disturbing or is that both? I was like, it's both.
0: I think it's all of that. Yes, it is. It is all of that. I love um, your thoughts on the psychology of it all. I think that's fascinating because that's something if like if I was working. okay, how do I say this? So when you were a therapeutic intervention coach, you are walking into situations where there's. Oftentimes people are escalated and they could be at a varying states of their own capacity. And you're walking that tightrope to figure out like where they're at in a situation. And then you're also decoding their language to kind of figure out what the scene is and what that person like really needs in that moment. And perhaps even more, it's a lot of pieces, you know, when a lot of us are used to just like listening to someone say something and be like, okay, that's what they said. But really, you know, our words can mean a variety of different things, you know, like I, it's like, here's an example. Uh, I'm in the bathroom. I would like some privacy. What my daughter would hear is keep shouting your story through the door of the bathroom, the entirety of the time that I'm in the bathroom. You know, we all hear different things that are said, but, uh, now I lost my, my question, but that's okay.
1: Well, I mean, for me, when I thought about the psychological thing, I was, I, and there's a couple of them, right? Like, so I I was thinking to, and I'm clearly not going to name any names, but I was thinking to a teacher at our school that we worked at together yeah. and how there were times when I had, like, after I first experienced that when a student returns to that classroom, essentially without the actual dunce cap on, students <laughs> had to come in, sit in the corner and then <laughs> essentially beg to be let back in class. And I'm like, yeah. this is a kid already at the brink of melting down and now you're asking me to convince them to come back to you in this power struggle that you want to win and then sit there and raise their hand and not be called on for like 10 minutes and then continue to be like and wait until they start to do something like bump something and be like i don't know why you're making so much noise back there and i would be like so i got to the point where i started prepping the kids for the mind game right so i was like listen You think you're really ready to go back because this is what's going to happen. And I'd like play it through so that they could lose their mind with me if they were going to, or they'd be like, no, I can do it. I'm like, all right, well, let's make a game of it. Let's see if we can beat them at their game. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get back to the seat. If you really want to get back at them, do exactly what I tell you, and then you'll make it back to your seat and that will bother them more
0: than anything else you can do. (laughs) Oh, that's genius. And that same person was not named, but alluded to in the last episode, just to show that like, Everyone was aware of the situation. Uh, that's amazing. Uh, which brings us to our final thoughts. These are just about you. Uh, what do you like about being a principal?
1: For me, I think it's just the, the connecting pieces. So like being able to be the conduit between um, you know, parents, teachers, students, um, and really managing those relationships and helping people to feel strength within that. I mean, I had a, I had a teacher come up to me yesterday and be like, So, Mr. Cave, who who handles conflict between staff? What's our protocol? And I was like, I guess you bring him to me or you let me know and I can go talk to him. We'll problem solve this. So then he they told me what was happening and all this. And so I was like, all right. And then that teacher just came on their own to me and was essentially like, I'm gonna punch him out. I was like, all right, well, let's talk it out a little bit. Then we like talked it out. And then I said, I want you to think on it. We're gonna come back tomorrow and then I'll talk to the other person, then maybe we can have this conversation. Came back in the morning and they were able to solve the whole thing on their own and come back and be like you know what we don't need you we got this handled we're doing this thing we're, we're all good we just had we were heated both trying to meet the needs but in different ways i said i hear you i appreciate you both solving it. so i feel like just being able to help bridge that gap because i feel like and you know in going from every single school i got to see how important the leader was of the building mm-hmm. um and it's, it's interesting because it's, it's how important they are without actually them putting themselves in such a position of importance right like the reality is the most important people in the building are all of those teachers because if if they don't connect with the students and they're not delivering some some rigorous instruction kids aren't going anywhere but yeah. at the same time in order to enable them to do that some of it has to be filtering out the garbage that comes from the district sometimes there's good stuff for those of you listening but then also there are things that aren't so great and then also sometimes it's like managing the relationships and helping people like with the communication to make their job easier and the more you can make their job easier the better you're going to get
0: Oh yeah, and uh, I'll just throw this suggestion out: the next time two teachers want to fight, let's have a raffle. I mean, let's raise some money. We'll let people call the shots. Yeah, those <laughs> are for
1: those are for staff parties, Dirk. Oh, Those aren't gosh. Those are for in the building. It's got to be off premises. Well, maybe a PTA fundraiser.
0: Okay, that sounds good. Do your staff parties have puppet shows though? Like, I mean,
1: you know, I we haven't been able to pull that off yet i'm still working on connecting that 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 connection and bringing that in okay um, trying to think if we've had anything comparable but i i don't think so
0: cuz one of the therapeutic intervention coaches just so people listening understand at the place where we met made marionettes i think is what they were uh, very, very impressive.
1: Recognizing that
0: they're not just puppets, that they are marionettes. <laughs> yes. Okay, good. Um, and I did not know this. So I went to a staff party and I didn't, I personally, I was there for the kids. So I didn't go to a lot of staff events. I know shame on me, but it's just, the last thing I wanted to do was talk about work after work. Um, so I go to the staff party. I think it was an end of the year thing. And honestly, I think the principal made me go and so there we are at the party people are hanging out. There's like a fire beers or something. And then everyone goes, okay, time for the, the show. And I was like, what's happening? And we went into this man's garage where there was a tiny stage and he put on complete with music and lights, a marionette show that I did not know was happening my wife turned to me and was like, this is the best thing I've ever seen. <laughs> it was like something magical. I walked out of there looking at everyone like it was a joke they were playing on me because it seemed like everyone else had seen it before. And he would bring the show to the school and and show the kids these, it's it's incredible. I, I mean, yeah.
1: I I actually just uh, talked to him the other day on a similar forum. And at the end of it, I was doing an NCI training. At the end of the training, uh, everyone else got off and I was like, hey man, what's going on? He goes, you got to check this out. And he had a, he had <laughs> built a pool table with little pool cues and pool balls and things so that he could like make his new scene. And I was like, oh man, still living it up. Love it. That's crazy. I love
0: that. Uh, what is a good day like for a principal?
1: Uh, I mean, I think a a good day for me is always be, is a day when um, I'm able to get into classrooms for a good amount of the day. I'm able to go. I put myself on recess duty every day just because I like to be outside and run around with the kids and, you know, model and play games and things with them. Uh, So it's a day when I get to be at the school all day and, and unlike now have the kids there all day and actually be able to engage and have some fun. But I think also it's, it's not without struggle, right? Like one of the things we work on really hard at our school is because I feel like one of the biggest barriers to success for students is having a growth mindset is like being able to understand that things are not supposed to come easy. School is supposed to be a place where you struggle and it's okay to struggle. And we need to celebrate the the like the failures without i don't really like to think of them as failures but at the same okay. time like every mistake you make isn't really a, it's, it's an important thing to happen and so i think even having those things but having students realize that just keep trying and keep trying to, to you know help each other out and support each other so i think a day when we still have those struggles but we see kids persevering through that and we just end up in a place where you really see that growth awesome
0: and what is a bad day like
1: Whew, uh you know there's a lot of different things that can that can make a day difficult. Uh I don't think there are very many bad days uh in an elementary school uh at least if you are in a place where everyone is on the same page about serving kids. I think that there are hard days and I think there are days when you know where it's there are times when I feel like I haven't stepped away from the special school that we worked at together and I'm like all right well I'm covered in spit. Right. have uh, been sick several times. Uh this- <laughs> This kid peed in a circle like a fire hydrant, and I got to figure out what to do about that. Right. Uh, but at the same time, then at the end of the day, there are still successes and things to be seen. So I, I don't know that I would say there's ever a bad day, but I would say that there are days that are hard. And I think also, I guess I would, I'll say the, one, the only time that I feel like it's sometimes is a bad day is when it's filled with bureaucracy, right? Mm-hmm. When I'm stuck doing paperwork and things that I don't see the kids being at the center of. And it seems like I'm just having a jump. But at the same time, it's like, if I can deal with that and shelter it from staff and other people, then hopefully the school didn't have a bad day. <laughs>
0: I might've had a bad day. Right. Yeah. I love that because the, one of the things I really miss about the environment um, was also the problem solving aspect of it with someone's safety at heart. You know, like I would get, I would light up at, at, at a call like this. Okay. He's showing up in a cab. He's out of his restraints. He's taken all of his clothes off. And by restraint, I mean, it's a a modified seatbelt. Uh, He's spread feces all around the inside of the cab. And he'll be here right when the buses show up and he's completely naked. So, and I'm like, cool. And I'm sliding on my gloves. I'm getting a towel. I'm like, okay, follow me. Here's what we're going to do. We'll block the line of sight. We'll keep him safe. We'll keep him clean. We'll get him in the school. Like, you know, like in doing this in a way so that there's, no more embarrassment to the person that's in an escalated state and kids aren't, you know, being exposed to nudity. And, you know, the, it's, it's, it's a, a scenario that some people are just like, what is going on? But like, I, I, I loved it. I just loved the, um, the, the, the knowing that this person in this moment who isn't having the best of days, we're going to treat them with, you know, respect and, you know, keep them safe and get them to a place where they are once again, you know, calm and, you know, we can hit reset on their day. And we'll start from that point, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's it's taking that moment that could, in so many other instances have gone so wrong. Yeah, Uh, And the fact that you were able to have that go in a way that actually improved the day from there, right? Rather than it just completely tanking and having having other people. And I, I think a lot of times you're in that role then, right? Of like protecting how other people see that student.
0: Yes. Exactly. And, no, and totally. having that
1: still be uh seen humanely versus what often happened. I mean, I think that was what I found a lot when I got put into situations back then too was like, I would come in and be like, well, the reason why this kid is acting like this is because everyone is treating him like he's not a student. Yep. Like they're treating him like he's really not a person. Yeah. So why don't we try doing this a little differently? Even if you're like, and well, first, you shouldn't be afraid. But if you are afraid, you got to check that and figure out how to get over that. Or you got to move yeah. on and be with somebody else because that's not going to get us anywhere.
0: Yeah, we definitely had people that were afraid. And we definitely lost the most teachers out of any classroom in the time that I was there. <laughs>
1: Oh, and there were so many people that would go on like leave and all these things over it too. And I was like, okay, like, like just just pick another place to be. Like, yeah. <laughs>
0: figure. Yeah. It's like you know you said where there's everyone has these peaks uh, and and you know our own deficits. We all fit in a, in an environment somewhere. You just got to find the place where you shine the best. You know. Yeah. Yep. And I think the the great example of you being a principal is that because you've been in pretty much every position. Like you can empathize probably better than anyone with what it's like to be that person who's a paraeducator or a teacher or whatever, you know, I mean, that's, that's a key piece rather than some being like, look, I know what it's like. And you're like, I don't think you do.
1: Oh, back, back, back in the day when I was a therapy, intervention coach, uh, which is essentially a glorified paraeducator, uh, I, my, my dream was like, I just want to have this job. I actually also want to drive the bus because I would ride the bus with them every day. And I was like, this is not connecting. We're not no. I was like, I feel like if I could just dr- go pick up the kids from their houses, drive them to school, then be with them all day, then drive them home. We could really complete the cycle.
0: Uh, yeah. And- I was, I was just clowning on John because I said he rode the buses for the longest period of time because once I realized I didn't have to ride the buses, I was like, no, I was, it's like chocolate war. I'm like, it's, it's done. No, put someone else on there. And there's always a new para. So I would be like, yeah, put that person on there. And then he'd, he'd go ask them and they'd have to say yes because they don't have to, but you just feel obligated to when the administrator comes over to you. And then like I just, I, I, I don't know if I w- was not successful as a bus rider or the kids just didn't listen to me at all because I was their height, but it was just, um, it was bad news.
1: Oh, yeah, that, that was one of my favorite parts of the day, because there was nothing academic about it. And oh, I got that's to focus on the social side. And often like when you were talking about your scene with the kid coming off the cab and needing to yeah. really make like, them like I can remember so many times on that bus where there were things that I like one kid was I ended up having to actually myself restrain on the bus. He was a fifth grader and he wet himself and me mm-hmm. uh, and we were soaked in his own urine, but he was so embarrassed. And so oh. for me to be able for that to happen, and then for me to be like when other people were questioning, I was like, nope, that's nothing, don't worry. You're like, nope, that actually we just spilled something. And trying to help him maintain that level of not being embarrassed in front of his peers. Yeah. Um. I mean, those were the things where it was like you you trauma bonded, <laughs> but right. at the same, time, it's like in the end, it's you. The kids saw that I wasn't trying to make him feel any worse or trying to make. I was trying to make his day better, and yeah. I think that's what then made things kind of you started to make those clicks. My staff currently knows and they actually wrote it on something they sent me the other day that if I ever become independently wealthy, which will never happen, but I don't play the lottery and stuff, but they're like, they gave me some lottery tickets and they were on the outside. Like, if you win big, I hope you get your dream job as a para. Cause I was like, yeah, if I ever do that, I'm going to work bell to bell. Like, I just want to be able to be like the bell rings and it's somebody else's problem. I'm out. I want to make a difference between the bells and not stress about all the, the other stuff outside.
0: Yeah. That's great. That's what I loved about working so strongly on communication and less on academics because I was K through through third grade. Um, and there was a lot of like developmental delays and things. So it's not like I was working. I wasn't doing hard math, which is great because most math is hard for me. Um, but in working in communication, so much of it is interactive and so much of it can be as fun as you make it. So, you know, I mean, every day was just the greatest and you're getting huge smiles from kids, you know, in between, you know, peaks and valleys. But like it it really was such a like just wonderful feeling. And a weird thing happened to me. A lady was we have a commercial kitchen in our home and my wife was teaching canning classes and a lady was taking them and she mentioned what she did for a living. So my wife says, hold on a second. She called me in and uh, I said, oh, do you? do you know this student? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, I I have a a picture from when they, I did my, you know, goodbye or whatever at the program. And I showed her and, you know, it's now a long time since then. And she's like, oh my gosh, like he's 18 now. And I'm like, this is when he was six. Like, it's just, it blows people's mind. And then I love to hear like how far a student had come, you know, what, what just like, it's, it, it's amazing to get to play these windows of time um, in someone's life. And then like later on, you're just like, oh my gosh, I can't even, I mean, my kids that I worked with would be like 25 or something, it's crazy.
1: Yeah, no, I've I've met some of my students when I was a teacher there that were in my third through fifth grade classroom. And it was now probably like four or five years ago. And he was like, hey, I'm 21 now. And I was like, huh? Yeah. And he's like, made me feel so old. I was like, I don't think I'm that old yet, but yeah. I guess I'm old.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. Yeah, do you have any advice for someone interested in being a principal?
1: I mean, I think it's like really think it through. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so here, I guess, I guess my my true advice is actually gain. I I'm tired of the principals that want that were came into education with the plan of being a principal, um, and like are going through the motions to get there. So I think my hope is that you like really take the natural journey through education before you get yourself to a place of being a principal, because I think you really have to have a lot of understanding and not to say that I have that all yet, but at the same time, and our principal at at our school that we worked at together really was the one that pushed me out of the nest or whatever you want to call it. Cause I yeah. was like, I could have stayed there and been comfortable. I'm a super loyal person. I actually was really uncomfortable leaving there mm. and I, I would have probably stayed there forever if somebody wasn't like, no, you need to go do this thing and you need to go take this step. Um, and so I think for me, it's make sure that you've gained some experience and some perspective within education and within various um, demographics and student populations and really understand what you're getting yourself into. And then also being a principal in one school is not the same as being a principal in another school. So I think also really think about what uh, population you feel most successful with and most connected with. and Find your way towards that group. Don't just take a job to take a job because a principal is not a job. Like you gotta, you gotta be fully engulfed in it.
0: Oh, that's great. Which brings us to the last question. And it's my favorite question. Kave, what are your dreams like? What are my dreams like? Like at night? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, often I don't
1: dream or I don't remember my dreams uh yeah. because of the fact that I'm so exhausted that then I just fall asleep, and then wake back up and startled by the alarm. I would say if we wanted to really get into it, a dream that I always had recurring as a child and a teenager, and I I want to revisit that dream is this like dream of like where I could actually like fly, but it wasn't quite by like flapping wings. It was like this thing where I could like kind of take off and I would wake up and then I could always get back into that dream to where oh. I could like fly over. And I was like, man, this dream is, and it was like a recurring one I had for a long time. I haven't had it in a while. And I always think like, oh, am I ever going to be rested enough <laughs> that I could get back into that dream?
0: That would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Oh, flying cave. Oh, man. Well, thank you so much for watching Chocolate War. And uh, thank you for sharing your story as a principal here tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. It was great. Absolutely. As always, I'm your host, Dirk Marshall. This is the VHS Podcast. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen. It's always appreciated. Until next time, get back to class.